2: Hello, pod people, and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the show where two movies with something in common go head-to-head to to figure out which one did it better. And this week, we're Star Trekking across the universe on the Starship Enterprise under Captain Kirk. Star Trekking across the universe. Boldly going forward because we still can't find reverse.
3: You can't even guarantee the safety of your own crew.
0: Now,
2: shall we begin... sorry. On Monday we felt the wrath of Khan Meaning today we're feeling the wrath of John Through Star Trek into <laughs> darkness But which is the logical winner? You're about to find out In Clash of the Titles Release the Kraken Hello Clash Podders, I'm Chris Tilly I'm Vicky Crompton And I'm Alex, damn it, man I'm a doctor, not a torpedo technician Same, I'm Vicky yeah. Tell us why you've beamed us up this week.
4: Because I used to love Star Trek so very, very, very much. And its I feel weird talking about it, to be honest, because I kept it hidden... For quite a number of years,
2: quite a surprise when you revealed this information. Yeah, lovely surprise, lovely
4: surprise. Thanks, Chris. It was such a big part of my life, and then once I was through it, I was just mortified. I I was, I was, I was amazed at my own like naivety just to walk into my school being like, yeah, I'm in the Star Trek fan club. What of it? And then I tried to distance myself from it because I felt I just felt embarrassed. I think it
3: makes you a lot cooler. Really? Yeah.
4: Oh, thanks, Alex. Definitely. I've never felt like.
2: Well, (laughs) um, you take it from me, kid.
4: So when, cool. uh, Thanks, Dad. <laughs> until that
2: point where you stopped being into it, yeah. were you more Star Trek than Star Wars?
4: Oh my God, 100,000%.
2: Alex, what were you? Star Wars. Me too.
4: I just don't really give a shit about Star Wars. I'm sorry. Because uh, I saw it really late <laughs> as right. well.
3: Unfortunately, we didn't make them. Otherwise, we wouldn't be making this podcast every week. <laughs>
4: that's true. Why are you in here? You're a billionaire. No, I because I saw Star Wars when I was quite old as well. I, I avoided it for a long time. So I was about nineteen the first time I saw Star Wars, and obviously, no nostalgia rush. The moment had very much passed. Okay,
3: I look forward to hearing more about that on the Star Wars episode.
4: That's right. I do like the original Star Wars, and obviously, the others uh, mm. are dog shit. So that's fine. Yeah, mm. I've got Phantom. a little bit on that. You'll, you'll enjoy what's yeah. coming up then. Pod race, fuck off.
3: No, <laughs> pod race. Compared to the new, new ones, I could, I could take a fucking pod race any day. Would you? And actually, the pod race is probably one of the best sequences in Phantom Menace. Still
4: well, yeah, bad. but that that's a little
2: The lightsaber fight at the end. Still an awful film. Mm. Uh, mm. But we're not here to talk about that. No, sorry. It's no Rise of Skywalker. Which yeah, is it's a... less racist, though. <laughs> I think Phantom Menace is a, is a deeply racist film. We'll talk about it in the pub. OK. But before we get into that and Star Trek, let's hear a review courtesy of you lovely people who have left them on iTunes. And this week's review comes courtesy of O-Town69. Can I ask a quick question? Is this the US review site you've
3: started dipping into or the UK review site? I, know, I can't remember. OK. Just copy and paste them. Great. All right. Um, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Never try and pull back the curtain. <laughs> Okay keep that curtain pulled, don't let people know about what goes on behind the things. I just can't remember all right, fine, did it it's not a big deal. just just
2: say America, we could have done this <laughs> America fine <laughs> um o town sixty nine says it's time for the verdict and goes on to say my New all-time favourite podcast. New episodes are always a treat and I even occasionally pop an old one on if I just want some nice brain wallpaper as I go about my day. <laughs> if you enjoy movies and or having a laugh alongside three great pod people, you've got to check it out. Wallpaper.
4: Hmm. Uh, I like I'm that, happy phrase, with that yeah. yeah. I'm yes. fine. yeah. Okay, good.
3: Um, do you think they are an actual member of the band? Oh, I did wonder. <laughs> uh, the 69th member. Yeah.
2: <laughs> they or went that, or that a sexy thing? <laughs> they went through a
3: lot in their time. <laughs> Oh, a good reference. All right. So, uh, on Monday, I took. A I used to d- drink in a bar uh, where the guy behind the bar was a uh, member of the boy band Northern Line. Really, you remember Northern Line a yeah. little bit? Yeah. yeah. Since the boy band, he, he was. He was bar manager. So, and there's nothing wrong with working. Oh, in it bar. wasn't his pub. No, but oh. uh, but yeah,
2: I'm glad he's alive. Some of those people die.
4: Everybody dies, Chris. No, but yeah,
2: really young. good point, Chris. Yeah, a really good point. Thank you. Boy bands over, drugs dead. Right.
3: Sorry, I thought you Bosh. just meant people. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. No. Okay. Yeah, that's true. Sorry, I brought it down. Um,
2: really, in a big way. Okay. <laughs> uh, should we talk about Star Trek? Sure. Uh, yeah. All right. On Monday, I took us into the future for some rap. Uh, meaning today, Alex is taking us into a different future, courtesy of the Kelvin timeline, for some darkness. So, Big Al, please take us on a journey. After Spock and
3: Kirk have a fight about the Prime Directive, Kirk gets the Enterprise taken off him, but then immediately given back (laughs) to him by RoboCop, because RoboCop hates Prime Directives as much as Kirk. RoboCop also hates Klingons and has a plan to wait for it. Bring back a 200-year-old genetically-engineered superhuman called John, not Khan, Okay, He's not Khan. John will design him weapons, then RoboCop will blackmail John, not Khan, with his still-frozen crew forcing John to flee to Kronos where Robocop will then send the Enterprise to fire special torpedoes at John torpedoes that also have enough room in them to fit other frozen superhumans all of which will ignite a war turns out surprised John is actually Khan meaning JJ Abrams spent the entire marketing of this movie just lying at people <laughs> Robocop's plan fails because Khan crushes his head a female doctor gets undressed Kirk dies but then immediately doesn't and literally thousands die when a spaceship Spock blew up crashes into Earth the end Ladies and gentlemen, for your consideration, Star Trek Into Darkness. (laughs) That's my uh, my little (laughs) journey through what is a very, at times... Overly complicated thoughts. So, histories with this movie. I'll start. I watched it once uh, before this at an early screening, uh, press screening ahead of the London Leicester Square premiere for Star Trek Into Darkness, which I hosted. And today is one of the best stages ever built. They recreated a kind of mock-up of the bridge of the Starship Enterprise, this pristine white stage. And then there was an arch that you walked under, this huge arch on the carpet, which was actually the Starfleet insignia.
4: Oh, A massive nice. Starfleet insignia. That's nice. So that's
3: when I saw it, and I've never watched it since. <laughs> Vicky.
4: I watched it on the telly at some point mm. and watched it once, and I enjoyed it. That's okay. it. Chris.
2: I went through the hell of covering this film for four years while I was at IGN and it was hard work navigating all the lies. I went on the the IGN page for Star Trek Into Darkness and you see every article. There's about 500 articles they've written about this film. Why? um, Because people are interested and every week some new bit of news seemed to break and I realised I'd written a lot more articles. I didn't think I'd written anything about this film. That's great because I really don't have much in the background of this movie. But I I, I literally had people lying to my face. I, I interviewed Damon Lindell Hoff for um, Prometheus and I mentioned Star Trek stuff and he lied to me and Benedict Cumberbatch lied to me and the producer lied to me. Uh, it's quite, Brian Burke, it's quite a strange experience, um, especially when everyone kind of knew what was happening. earlier on in the process they cast Benicio Del Toro uh, in, in this role and it, so it's pretty obvious what direction they were going in um, and even early on J.J. Abrams was saying yeah, we might do Khan we'll probably do Khan and then suddenly it all changed when they made this decision and so... Yeah, I went through a, a hellish time. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, do you want to talk
3: about the, this moment now? Because I've, yeah, I've, yeah. I've got what J.J. Abrams said in the end uh,
2: uh, about that whole thing. Uh, what, looking back on it, yes. before we get there, I'll tell you about a couple of things. I asked Lindelof, um, who's the villain? And he said, are you insane? I'm not telling you that. He said, what we're introducing is a cool, nuanced force of antagonism that's very different.
4: Not that sure. different. <laughs>
2: Um, uh, Carl Urban said Benedict Cumberbatch is playing Gary Mitchell that was a lie Uh, Simon Pegg said it's not calm Uh, that was a lie Uh, Cumberbatch when I was asking him about it he was just saying he's a terrorist and he was saying he was giving that party line which is fair enough we want people to have surprises in the film Mm. Uh, you know we want to to live in a world where you can, no one, not everyone knows everything going into a movie. I, I kind of understood that. Yeah, Brian Burke, the producer, he sort of said to me, "I don't want to talk about him. It's like if I told you all about Darth Vader before Star Wars." Fair enough, but I've got the mistake quotes here, Alex. If you haven't, yeah, I can't find them. Go yeah, for it. so here's what um they both went on record. A, after the fact, Lindelof said that was a mistake because the audience was like, we know he's playing Khan. Uh, that's why it was a mistake. And Abram said, the truth is, I think it probably would have been smarter just to say up front, this is who it is. It was only trying to preserve the fun of it and it might have given people more time to acclimate and accept that that was the thing. And I think that was the problem because um, the issue for me with this, keeping this secret was... That in Empire Strikes Back or Usual Suspects or Sixth Sense, the twist is devastating for the characters, and as a byproduct, it's devastating for the audience. But here, it means nothing to the characters or anyone who hasn't watched a thirty-year-old film or an even older TV episode. So what's the point? Mm. And you're sitting there waiting for it to happen, and it takes an hour, and it's distracting. Mm. Yeah. Um. I I want people to still be able to have stuff. I love a twist, but
4: I just think it's not a twist. They just it. It's, a it's reveal, not a twist. Yeah. Yes.
3: Yeah.
2: Exactly. And I think what
3: pleased me is the fact that it did anger fans as well, because sometimes when you're doing the interviews and you are being lied to your face Mm. and you know, because you're part of the film journalism sort of world, you think, is it just me? And actually, is what they're doing really beneficial for the audience out there when they see the movie? And it's not. And that's the thing. And people were like, we know as well. It's not just you journalists who know. Everyone fucking
2: knows. Filmmakers should be able to keep secrets that's one of the things I love in movies is being surprised but with with this I just think this this case it just did not work yeah, but I think they end up pissing off their own fans exactly but I think that's different i I, I think filmmakers if it's a surprise, there's
3: no need to keep it a secret because it's so unexpected in the film, no one could guess it beforehand. I mean, mm. there's a difference between a twist that people reveal afterwards, like spoilers. That's that's not what I'm talking about. But the idea of a surprise in a movie, like you as as the journalist, you would never guess that surprise in the first place because it is a surprise. Mm. It's like bloody Blowfelt as well. Christ- mm. Christoph Waltz going, I'm not Blowfelt, mm. and you're like. Mm. Okay, are we doing this? (laughs) I'm not Blofeld. I don't know what you've heard. Did you not not think what
2: happened with Star Trek just now? (laughs) Are
3: we doing this dance again? This is ridiculous. Yeah yeah so I'll tell you a little bit about the movie and I'm sure you've got some more for me Chris because I've only got a little uh,
2: nice. I'll do you've it right have got all I've got that was <laughs> it
3: uh, first movie made money people loved it they decided to make a sequel done Quite. that's right, pretty guys. much all right. it no I've got some more okay. I've got some more uh, so the first movie was the highest grossing Star Trek movie ever the seventh highest grossing movie that year Paramount were very happy that it did so well overseas because Star Trek previously apparently the original movies had never really travelled as well as this new one so obviously international Markets. Uh, The same team behind the original movie, Robert Orsi, Alex Alex Kurtzman and uh, this time a credited Damon Lindelof um, were writing and J.J. Abrams directing. I do remember at the time there was a lot of this on again, off again about whether Abrams would actually direct this or just produce it, which at the time... I remember being quite a big deal because at that time, Abrams like had the Midas touch. It was like everything he'd done was amazing. Mi three, uh, the first Star Trek, created Fringe, Lost. Mm. Uh, people loved Super Eight. I, I, particularly, I personally didn't think Super Eight was very good, but it wasn't bad. But now Star Wars, I think that's changed a little bit. It's not like the Midas touch anymore because of the fucking Rise of Skywalker. Anyway, in the end, he does it. Uh, Rumours that Shatner might be in the film. Um, Although J.J. Abrams said he's often struggled with how to work around dealing with Kirk's death, which obviously happens in Generations, which we were talking about on Monday, and that was one of the hindrances of including him in the new Star Trek. Uh, The Shat himself said, I don't think that J.J. Abrams knows what to do with me. Age, change in body shape. (laughs) (laughs) He's fucking obsessed. (laughs) Well, he is. (laughs) (laughs) Famously.
4: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
3: So Chris mentioned it. Uh, Benicio del Toro was going to be calm for a bit and then dropped out other people. Edgar Ramirez, Damon Butcher, and Jordi Moller, who I thought would have been good. He played uh, the bad guy, uh, Hector Tapia. Hector Johnny Tapia in Bad Boys 2. Oh, right. I quite like him. Uh, but it was Steven Spielberg who suggested that they take a look at Benedict Cumberbatch. he just appeared in War Horse for Spielberg. Here Benedict Cumberbatch famously filmed an audition on his iPhone and they were like, yes, please, we want you, Cumberbatch. Uh, other than that, it was a, a big success uh, and became eclipsed the original movie by about 100 million. Is it? Wow. So this is to date the highest grossing Star Trek movie ever with 467 million dollars around the world any more for anymore.
2: Yeah, just one quote that made me laugh. Uh, this Abrams was talking to Crave, a website called Crave about um reactions to this film and he said he showed his wife an early cut of Into Darkness and she told him she couldn't understand what was happening because of all the lens flare.
1: <laughs>
4: yes, fuck he me. Had, he had to
2: have ILM take some out.
4: But it's there's a lot in it. <laughs> mm.
1: There's
2: and, a lot. And this is stuff that's been cut because of his wife.
4: <laughs> but I like I like lens flare now because it reminds me of this these this franchise of films so much because the first one is chock full of lens flare. This Mm. one has got tons of it. And I think, what's the the other one called? Beyond. Beyond, Beyond, yeah. There's plenty of it in there. I like it because it makes me feel nostalgia for this.
3: There is one amazing goosebump scene in Beyond, which is where they play the Beastie Boys sabotage. Are you fucking
4: joking? I think about it all the time. It's the worst writing I can think of. Brilliant. An arbitrary marker that makes fucking no sense is the thing that gets you out of conflict. Bullshit. Oh, my God.
3: I'm not talking about like structurally whether it works in the script. I'm talking about playing Beastie sure. Boys sabotage in a Star Trek movie yeah. while the ship flies through a swarm of other ships, blowing the shit out of them, and then does that arc backwards in space while it's blazing the a trail. Fast and behind Furious it.
2: has a lot to answer for.
4: It's just I get really mad about it because they're such a highly paid team. You mean you can do right. better.
3: Fine, yeah. I mean, the whole setup to that, where it's like, you oh, know, this thing just happens it's, to work. Uh, yeah, so we need to use this it's frequency. A song, the yeah, frequency yeah, yeah, it could yeah. be
4: anything in the world. Yeah,
3: but the set, the final line, I think, uh, is Kirk's, where he goes. I think I've got an idea. You're like, oh, my God, Goosebumps! Beast Boy charge in space in a Star Trek movie. What? But there was a rubbish. huge, there were massive, <laughs> loads and loads of people. There was a huge backlash because they used it in the trailer. The first trailer that dropped was set to that. And obviously everyone went, the fuck? Yeah. And I think Simon Pegg even came out and went, that was not the trailer we wanted to promote this new movie. Yeah. You know, because then people and the filmmakers are often not in charge of the trailers, so it wasn't their decision, but kind of. We're not here to talk about that. Come on. She brought it up. You brought it up. No, I did, yep yeah, You're absolutely right. <laughs> so, uh, are you ready for uh, what was yes. originally conceived as a retelling of Joseph Conrad's Heart of Darkness? It was not. Yeah. It not everything. That's yeah. been done. Uh, Kurtzman and Orsi. Now, I'm calling him Orsi. I know you pronounce it Orky, but I did a pronunciation thing, which are often wrong. Sure. And no, that's, I don't know what I'm talking about. Orsi, Great. but it might be Orky. No, Apologies. no, Orsi sounds good. Orsi's Roberto. right. Orsi's correct. Go. So, it, the whole theme is how far... Will we go to exact vengeance and justice on an enemy that scares
4: us? Complicatedly far. Mm,
3: way too complicatedly far.
4: <laughs> Lots of plot holes when you think about it. <laughs> well,
3: I'm going to point them all out. So, uh, I, I, do, I do remember seeing this opening at the cinema and I absolutely loved it. Your class, I mean, your classic pre-titles, action tease, Bond-esque, or in this instance, obviously, Raiders of the Lost Ark, inspired, mm-hmm. chased by the native people because you've stolen an artefact. Uh, this was not going to be the start of the movie, though. Mm -hmm. Uh, The original start of the movie was going to start with the couple in London with their Mm. sick kid because the writers were like, we want to start with some big emotion and they were going to start with that and then they thought, no. That's not what people want. (laughs) The real emotion here is Kirk and Spock, so let's start with their emotional connection because that's going to be a theme for the movie, is it? It's not. It really is loose. And so that's why we get this really fun sequence with the Enterprise
4: underwater. I love it. I love all of it. I mean, I love J.J. Abrams always making these characters fucking jump. They they don't stop jumping. They've got to do so <laughs> much jumping. But it's just, it's modern eyes because there's nothing wrong with The Wrath of Calm. But you, when you just, you know, you're just like, thank God, like just so much action. Mm. And it hasn't had a chance to be spoiled by something equivalent to the Beastie Boys thing. There are things later on with the plot holes, you're like, if you pay too much attention, you're like, oh, it's annoying. But in terms of the action, as, as, as you know, your first five minutes, you're just like, this is brilliant. Uh, well, that's what this skates.
3: This that's what this film skates by on, and does and does it very well. Which is it never letting you breathe. Yeah. And uh, there's a quote from JJ, which I'll, I'll, I'll bring up in a bit. Which he acknowledges the fact that if you pick at this, it
2: unravels very quickly. Yes. So they're not supposed to violate the prime directive. No, that's
4: yeah. their that one rule, really. So
2: are they supposed to let these people die rather than interfere? Yes. yes. That's so the
4: whole thing of Star Trek.
2: Very David Attenborough, isn't it? Letting those animals die rather than stepping in and help or killing them himself. Mm. As we, we talked yeah. about yeah. this on Monday, on Monday. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That new show we're pitching, <laughs>
3: fucking Attenborough.
4: <laughs> Two exclamation marks.
3: <laughs> David Attenborough and an animal enter. <laughs> Only one will leave. Welcome to fucking Attenborough. <laughs> Fireworks. <laughs>
2: The arena is open. What animal will enter today? I'm with Kirk here. I would have, I would have, I would have saved those indigenous people. I Just let them have a glimpse. Let them have a glimpse. No. What's the worst that can happen? But you're playing
3: God. <laughs> you're screwing up the universe. Who knows? In a I'm millennium. You no, know, I'm
2: not playing God. I'm helping people.
3: In a millennium, they might develop something that changes the course of the universe in a way that would never have been changed yep. if you had why let is, them die. Why
2: is helping people playing God? because
3: you should not be part of their w- universe. Only, be- only, It's only because you're more advanced that you are even there.
4: Yeah. You can play God within your own moral framework because we have these societal rules that say, so like I would say it's about the advanced technology, but if you were ill and you went to a hospital and they said, we've got this cool advanced technology that can save your life, you're part of this society. So it's taken as given that you agree to that, but we don't understand these aliens, moral codes and mores and compass. So you're not allowed to just bosh in there and yeah. save their life. I mean,
3: For example, the movie even spells it out. When they're drawing an outline of the Enterprise in a stick, so what happens in that community, some of the community go, we're worshipping this as the new god, and the others go, well, we're not, and suddenly they're killing each other because they saw this spaceship, which would never have happened if you haven't violated the Prime Directive.
2: Mm.
3: I, I Help him. (laughs) <laughs> Move on. Oh that almost that almost feels like a scene in this movie. Massive monologue. Are you gonna do it anyway? Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Move it on.
3: Uh, they said that um because they were aware that it was gonna piss off Star Trek fans having a ship underwater, mm. they had a massive debate about it. Which led to a lot of the funny lines where Scott is going, but that's ridiculous. Oh, I like it. I'm a massive Star Trek fan. I loved it. Yeah, I did too.
4: Yeah, it's I, a bit different, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I think playing in sort of a sandpit that has devout fans of any kind, you are sort of second guessing yourself sometimes. So it's a fun beginning. Uh, we get a reintroduction of all the characters done very efficiently. Kirk, Reckless, Logical, Spock. And the other ones. Um, <laughs> uh, I do like the new cast uh, in these new movies. I think Zoe Saldana's great. I love Carl Urban as Bones. Uh, but then I have a blindness. You do. You, you're in love with him. I do. I am in love with him. I'm going to say it up front, I'm not a fan of Zachary Quinto Spock. Now, Interesting. Largely, I think that's because huge shoes to fill mm. but also I find him quite angry all the time he seems constantly irritated mm. because of his intellect by everyone else yeah that's true and
4: like, Leonard was quite a calm presence very passive isn't it?
3: sort yeah. of almost like if, if anything a bit patronising but a little bit sort of like slightly amused by all these conversations that are happening whereas like Quinto Spock is a bit like oh fuck's
4: sake yeah I think it's a mark of the way he plays that character. I'll jump in head slightly, but just because you mentioned it, when he gives that big speech about, oh, I, I do care, but I chose not to in that moment when I was on the volcano. You think, no, that's not true. Like, you still sound like, you're talking to your girlfriend. You're like, no, 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 it's not that I don't give a shit. Mm. It's that I really give a shit. And you think, bollocks. Like, mm. that does not, that did not convince me one bit.
3: So shall I see you at your cabinet eight? <laughs>
4: It totally works. It's like, oh, okay. I know, really. It's unbelievable. Yeah,
3: this movie creates problems and then solves them very Straight quickly. Yep. Like throughout the whole thing.
4: Well, sure, you said before, it gets the enterprise ed- oh, you- ed- is no longer yours, son. In ten minutes it will be. In ten minutes, it yeah. will be- yeah,
3: he's- learn nothing. Cook's jet. no, I haven't finished the sentence. He's back. He <laughs> is back. It's so silly. Uh so we obviously get the uh, needs of the when many outweigh the needs of the few line used in Wrath of Khan. Um Nicholas Meyer describes this as just just by putting the same words in different characters' mouths doesn't add up to anything in this film. <laughs> <laughs> He's not a fan of okay. Into Darkness. Um, so, the big takeaway plot point is Kirk broke the prime directive. We're off to future London. A couple's terminally Ill, Ill kid is dying, but
2: fear not. Doctor Strange can save
4: mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh, It's the best bit. Right, two things. A nod to... Oh God, this is so, My memory's going. What's the film we did with Arnie the other week?
3: Commando. No. No. Running man.
4: Running man. You know when we were talking about futuristic hard hats. It's like, how could a hard hat be improved? Because it perfectly encases a human skull, but it can be in the future. Yep. No, has got a, he's got a futuristic hat on it's like hats have changed and then also they've got a hospital it's like welcome to the future stretchers don't have wheels but you do still need to push them <laughs> like, <laughs> what's the point oh brilliant the future looks rubbish
3: <laughs> oh yeah well a shadowy figure says I can save her <laughs> Dr Stratton <laughs> Strat-
4: who are you mm. silence <laughs> no really it's really yeah. important because mm. it seems quite risky
3: nothing bad will happen from doing this deal with you <laughs> <laughs> uh, but before we can find out how that plays out, we're back at Starfleet, and Kirk has the Enterprise taken off him because Spock dobbed him in about breaking the rules. Uh, we've already covered like the fact that he gets it back in a moment. Um Uh, JJ Abrams says and I'll mention it now because it applies to a lot of this movie I feel like in a weird way this is him looking back retrospectively at this film I feel like in a weird way this film's a little bit of a collection of scenes that were written by my friends brilliantly talented writers who I somehow misled into trying certain things I found myself frustrated by my choices and unable to hang my hat on an undeniable thread of the main story Mm. Mm,
4: That's very honest
3: It is and I think it's true because taken... Independently, certain scenes are great, but sort of finding that emotional core of like this relationship of Kirk
2: and Spock, you were left wanting by the end. Yeah, well, I've got another quote from him. He says that that relationship is a bit muddy. Mm. Uh, what was their issue? What was their dynamic? What was their problem? It wasn't really clear. That's literally your job as the writer. <laughs> um, he said it was a little bit lightweight, ultimately, that Kirk was disappointed that Spock didn't feel their friendship was as meaningful <laughs> to him as it was to Kirk, <laughs> which is sort of what we're saying. And that Spock's arc is coming to unabashed love. His face. It's just two mates going, oh, I like you, don't like you. Like yeah. that it that really is. It's just nothing. Yeah.
3: Yeah. yeah and do you know what? I will add to that. The other thing is. It feels earned in the Wrath of Khan because Spock and Kirk, Nimoy and Shatner, have done the TV series yes, together. You, yeah. They've been You've together got that legacy. For so long, exactly. Yeah. And it's it's like you're watching two people who really have been on a journey. These guys have one movie under the belt. Well, then, yeah, they've not
2: been they've not known each other. They've not
3: been tested.
2: They've not been long. through much, and they and they didn't like each other for the duration of the first film. Yeah, mm. and for, for most of this film, they don't like each other very much. So. There's not a friendship there. No,
3: mm. exactly, exactly. So I do like us visiting a dive bar.
4: <sighs> Did you notice the big ice? I thought of you. Yes.
3: Oh my god, I loved it when it clinks into yeah. the glass. Do you, do you, like, big be- I- do you mm. like big ice? I love big ice. Nettie said the same thing. She was like, I love ice cubes like that. Yeah, me
2: mm. too. So good.
3: Did I've I got...
4: buy you the tray? I've already. I don't know. We've done. If you got really. one, a big ice oh. Yeah, hundred oh. percent. Do you want one? Yes. Okay.
2: Great. I've got Death Star ice cube.
4: Yeah, perfect for whiskey. Yeah,
2: this is amazing. Okay.
4: (laughs) So we're all agreed. That's why we're friends.
3: I wonder if it says on Google if there's a pub near here that does big ice cubes. (laughs) I put that front and (laughs) centre on my website. I would. That's great. So we're in a dive bar. So Dad Mark II for Kirk turns up in the form of Bruce Greenwood's Admiral Pike uh, to give a fatherly speech uh, and say son a lot in a yep. way that makes you know he's a walking corpse at this point.
4: <laughs> yeah. I've done a good thing for you, son.
3: Frigid myself. Yeah. Uh, so let's play let's play the movies game. So it's time to assemble Starfleet Command to deal with the terrorist. John Uh, because (laughs) sure enough John only blows up the lab to assemble the Starfleet command in one room and then kill them in what is a fun action sequence. Yeah, how
4: about, though, when Kurt's like, oh, we're all in one room. <laughs> how about you have that meeting in a room with no windows? That's my thought. A law, bunker,
3: like- <laughs> maybe. A military bunker. This is all of them.
4: Yeah. This is everyone- we used to do that in our century. The White House, the bunker is very much underground. <laughs> yeah. You're in this basically like... You're atrium. on the
3: lawn. <laughs>
4: <laughs> You're on the... white. It's the equivalent of on the White
3: House lawn. And going, yep. security, take a day off. <laughs> yeah, we're fine we're here. We're fine. So this helicopter threat you've been talking about... <laughs> Yeah, so uh, obviously, um, uh, John, uh, desperately needing to find out from Admiral Marcus where his frozen superhuman buddies are, mm-hmm. decides to open a Room with Admiral Marcus in. Yeah, perfect. Smart superhuman ability. <laughs> like super internet. Yeah. Uh, Kirk loses Dad Mark two. Spock, in what I consider a massive invasion of privacy, no consent was mind given Melds yep. with Admiral Pike as he's dying to share his death.
4: Yeah, he does look angry about it though.
2: To
3: he be does. Fair to like, you.
4: His eyes are like, mm, yep. This is speak, private. Fuck off. <laughs> is,
2: is that not a, some kind of prime directive he's breaking <laughs> and violating there? Until it's, it's, just... it's written
3: down, it doesn't apply to me. <laughs> yeah, it's. Um, it's it's
2: shocking. Yeah, it
3: is. Because he, he even says to Kirk, yeah, yeah, I did that. Yeah, I went in there. I did that. It was awful. <laughs> Lonely, angry, What did he want you to? I don't know. I didn't check. Yeah. What, do you always check? Don't be weird. <laughs> it kills no, the moment I've found. No means no, Spock. <laughs> so, Kurt gets Dad Mark III in the form of Peter Weller's Admiral Marcus. God love Peter Weller.
2: <laughs> oh, brilliant. Does, does his voice sound metallic to you? <laughs> it's Robocop. It's not, it's not his fault, but... Would I have thought his voice was metallic if I had seen it? Probably not, but it's know. just, I just hear metal in his words. <laughs> be, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
3: so he comes up with a plan about parking on the edge of the neutral zone and firing his new special mm. photon torpedoes at the Klingon homeworld Kronos, where John is hiding. Um, did you see the massive models in front of him, first of all? I did. Did you see the USS Vengeance, the ship that turns up no, at the end? It's a little no, no, I didn't. foreshadowing oh, of nice.
2: the baddies ship, the big bad at the end. Oh, is that like a public model. Can anyone see
4: exactly. that? Exactly. So I
2: thought it was a secret. Yep. Again, what a ridiculous thing
3: to oh, do. Yeah, What's that model? Yeah. Uh, oh, nothing. nothing. <laughs> Pushes That it looks into like a bin. very
4: militaristic... No, 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 we don't do that, do we? We're all about exploring. That looks like so it could is... work
3: with a minimal crew. <laughs> <laughs> Your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... I've always respected Starfleet because they work into some sort of democracy. The people up top yeah. seem very wise and everything's done democratically. People vote and it's all about perpetuating the peace. mm mm-hmm. Where is the sort of Starfleet council when he's going, this is the plan, off yeah. you pop?
4: I think that's, I always read that as like, they all know, all the characters are playing a game. It's like, you know that this is not quite right. And I know that you know, but I know you don't care. Right. That's what I thought. Because they, okay. they have to have a big meeting about everything in Star exactly. Trek. Which is well, the well, nice an thing opportun- it. He's
2: seen an opportunity, is not he? Because I think some of the higher ups are dead. He knows that Kirk wants to go on this vendetta and he's got this now opportunity. He can, he can have Kirk fire the torpedoes at the Klingons he can get rid of the evidence, mm. and he can start a war. So it's yeah. it, the wheels are turning, and he he thinks on his feet. And gets, I get that. But it's the plot goes.
4: hole is: if he does it. Harrison, he, if Harrison is not friends with Marcus, mm? why is he hiding in the one place where Marcus can then start his war from? He could go anywhere, but he goes to Kronos. Mm, mm. So by being in Kronos, it's like oh, there's an advantage There's an opportunity to start a war. But if he'd just gone anywhere else, yeah. that's that's it over with.
3: Also, a bigger problem is that this would work if he went, ''Kurt, can I see you in my office?'' And they do it privately. Mm. They're literally standing next to the meeting table with the rest of the Starfleet <laughs> people oh, that's true. and like shouting it out loud. Yeah, so Krono, Kronos, Kronos, yeah, <laughs> missile, yeah. And like Spock and yeah. Kirk, when they're walking off and Spock's going, this plan about the missiles and Kronos in public, yeah. this secret plan is illegal. <laughs> just It doesn't make any sense. Yes. Uh, uh, so we're in the future. A future where you've got to assume that uh,
4: people shouldn't be able to trick their way onto a starship by changing their surname. Um, I'm being pretty. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Because all that has to happen here, because there is no chemistry, is they need to, she just needs to be, like come into his view. <laughs> and then it's like, oh, well, here we go. We're now we're going to be in a relationship. She's got grey hair. Mm. We're talking about Alice Eve as Carol Wallace and then later Marcus. Yeah. yeah. Um, But it's unreal. She's like, oh, yeah. Absolutely fine. I can be here. (laughs) But they're like, well, you're gorgeous, so sit yourself down. That's it.
3: Yeah. Uh, Scotty's not a fan of her or the torpedoes. No. Uh, this, this is, is clearly, clearly a, a, military a military operation. operation. <laughs> I Do thought we should
2: <laughs> uh,
3: Go. I thought we were scientists. <laughs> Play Simon Pegg when you need him. remember
4: this this, I'm not to be mean on Simon Pegg, but just, this is not his, not his fault. All my love of Star Trek is really wound up in my granddad. My granddad was really Scottish and my granny and granddad loved Scottish. they were like, represent! And so, when you get Simon Pegg, like, I like, have a fucking crack at that. It feels like a family insult. But we
2: sometimes talk about where names come from. Why do you think they called him Scotty? (laughs) Um, But that military scientist line is the call back to David's line in Wrath of Khan. Scientists have always been the pawns of the military. Ah, It's, It's what Maya's saying. It's taking a line, putting it in someone's mouth. Yeah, someone else's mouth. Chekhov is told to put on a red shirt. I thought that was quite funny, the look on his face. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Good little red little shirt is gag. no
4: one else. Because also, engineering is big. He's got big staff, big crew. And he's like, you, boy that flies the ship, you've seen how the engine works, haven't you? He's like, well, I've walked past it once or twice. <laughs> what it's about yours? all these other people who... Uh, <laughs> what about the... Scottish, si- <laughs>
2: Scottish again. <laughs> it started well.
3: Uh, yeah, so uh, Scotty flipping um, resigns. Uh, he goes... Mm. And he goes. Uh, his li- his line is, "I'm going. If you uh, don't fire those torpedoes at that uh, <laughs> <laughs> at Kronos, Just check
4: off. It, <laughs> no, It's good. All right.
3: Anyway, those are his parting words. Yes. And again, the captain is like, "Fuck off. Get off my <laughs> ship." And then in the next scene, goes. Actually, we're not going to fire those yeah. I'm going to beam down. It's like,
2: get him ch- back. <laughs> you should have done that while Scotty was going. It's like, I'm going to resign, Captain. Yeah,
3: Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, is he not doing,
2: is he not changing his mind because of what Scotty said?
3: Yeah, to him? I guess a little bit. But at the same time, it's sort if of. It, defend it
2: a little bit. Yeah, I guess. I guess. It's um, a funny. It's a funny old arc Scotty's got. Yes. Yeah, it's Agreed. a weird one. Pops up in places that it's just, just a bit too convenient. Yeah. It needs him to be
3: doing certain things mm. at certain times, otherwise, mm. it doesn't work. Yeah. Mm. Uh, so Kirk leaves Sulu in charge, and we get one of my favorite bones and necessary metaphors in the series. You just sat that man down in a high stakes poker game with no cards and asked him to bluff.
4: <laughs> to which, it's labored. To
3: which Kirk does actually say enough with the metaphors. That's an yeah. order. It's not funny. Mm. Self aware. Good. So they're off to Kronos. Uh keep some fun bickering on the way down. Uh a spaceship chase. It's okay. I feel like I've seen this exact conceit before. We won't fit. We will. We won't. Oh we my God, will We have
4: seen that a million times before. Well, it's a bit like
3: it's a bit like the Millennium Falcon in the Death Star in Return of the yeah. Jedi, where he's like, well, running out of and space. And
4: Independence Day. That's mm. where it
3: is. At yep. the end of that. Exactly. We meet some new Klingons. Anyone really interested in the fact that it's a new Klingon design? Uh-huh. A little bit. It was sort of interesting at the time. I don't mind it. Yeah. I don't have
2: any strong opinions. It doesn't go anywhere, does it? You no. introduce the Klingons and Kill then you, you essentially fridge them and it's um, <laughs>
4: yeah.
2: it's super annoying. I mean, it, this this scene does give Uhuru something to do because she, <laughs> she can speak to because Otherwise, in this film, she's just angry girlfriend. No, oh, no
4: because she does get orders, which is... Open the channel. So she goes, done. Presses a mm. button. That's your whole... You went, to, you went to the academy for, what, eight years to go, beep. Well,
2: actually, yeah. they give her something to do here. She yes. translates and she, she, she you know, goes toe to toe with the click-ons. I understand that because it does go to great lengths to give every crewmate yes, a, their
3: moment. Their thing, yeah. yeah, Unfortunately, Uhura's moment actually involves the lines that you, as an actor, you must like, oh, really? I really? <laughs> she actually says the words... You brought me here because I speak Klingon. <laughs> then let me speak Klingon. I know, and the music's like, no, 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 and you're supposed to go, "Oh my god!" But it's like what a shit
4: line. I'm here
3: to speak Klingon, <laughs> and I'm gonna speak Klingon. It's
4: just ridiculous. You're here to let me save the day, so let me like anything. <laughs> Which you'd you'd
3: you'd go, "Okay, that's fine."
4: Yeah. If it worked,
3: it doesn't yeah. even work. No. It doesn't work. She goes, "Clap, clap, 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 clap," <laughs> and then they go, <laughs> "Fuck
4: <It>. you." <laughs> It's like after that big stand and also there's no there's no opportunity to go they, you know they especially in the older shows they had a bit of an issue with women mm. so she there's no moment where she goes oh they'll respect me as a woman because insert reason here she's like I'll just chance it see what happens <laughs> it's like probably not it's not going to go very well <laughs>
3: annoying yeah Uh John turns up uh, with his ridiculously big gun. I really like that gun. It's so stupidly big. And kicks the shit out of everyone. And then he's about to beat Kirk. And then Kirk goes, I've got torpedoes. And he goes, how many torpedoes? 72. Oh, okay, I surrender.
2: Yeah. And it's sort of like, it's all right. I don't mind it. I like Kirk exhausting himself, punching Harrison. That's quite good. I enjoy that. But Harrison doing this sort of rope-a-dope. And yeah, it's just, you know... If we didn't know who this man was, we'd be wondering Yeah, <laughs> who is this superman? Mm. This genetically engineered uh specimen. Yeah. And anyway. just think
4: as well, I know it's this I know it's dumb. It's just the plot point of like you're Mark your Admiral Captain what's he called? The big boss man Marcus. Marcus. Not mm. Carol Marcus. And you've got these torpedoes and you've stuffed some bodies in there as That's well. Right, yep. So you're trying to kill two birds with one stone when really you should be concentrating on one thing at a time so you don't put those torpedoes in the path of the one man who wants the bodies inside them because you've got advanced the advanced technology is that they're undetectable not that they've got bodies in and the body parts don't make them what they are so you can have advanced torpedo. what he's done he's got oh, I've got an advanced torpedo, and it also fits also fits a body in I mean
3: you've got to respect his efficiency sure he's like, but
4: it fucks him he's
3: looking at the budget yeah. he's looking at the bottom line yeah. I have to get a furnace lit up to Burn these bodies <laughs> yeah. when I could use the furnace, these torpedoes will create. Yeah. I'm fuck, that's why I got to the top. Yeah, it's, he's, he's a they fool. don't call me admirable for nothing. <laughs> uh, so John's captured, Alice Eve takes a kit off. I
4: fucking hate this so yeah, much you're not
3: alone. Everyone hated this.
4: He's so I want to think, I don't want to think that Jay Amers is a bad guy. I just don't want to because I like all of the things he does, mm. but this is obvious. But this is a director going, Look at this hot girl for two seconds. Yeah, you got
2: the Lindelof quote.
3: Yeah, I've got the Lindelof quote. Uh, The film was criticised for a scene where she takes a kit off, uh, which was called by various sources wholly unnecessary and gratuitous. Screenwriter and producer Damon Lindelof apologised on Twitter for the scene. I take responsibility and will be more mindful in future. J.J. Abrams also did a weird thing on an episode of Conan where he was trying to sort of, like, justify it in a strange way where he was like there was a scene Mm. a deleted scene of Benedict Cumberbatch in a shower and I thought they were going to do a joke but it's actually a real scene that they cut out of him in the shower and they play it but but, but the setup is them re-showing and it's not Abrams it's Conan re-showing the still of Alice Eve in her underwear Mm. and then you sort of realise that they've talked themselves into this corner where it's a bunch of guys showing a still of a woman in her underwear that already caused people to put their backs up and then Conan's like oh oh Better take that down. Sort of wanting to joke about it, mm. but be the sleazy guy and go,
2: oh, hello, but, all right. But yeah, but using messy. that messy. Cum- using that Cumberbatch scene... Cumberbitch. <laughs> his fans. Using that Cumberbatch scene as an example, even though it's not in the film. And they also used the scene earlier in the film where Kirk has his shirt off as yeah. an example of why they did this here. But Kirk's having a threesome she's at work yeah. that's quite a big
4: difference and she is said anything? turn around so yeah. you're with that's your man he's your hero yeah, and he's copping a and look he's, yeah he's, he's copping a look which is not a good look for him mm. but also she's just said turn around he's cheeky the, the, the scene is meant you're meant to go oh he's a bit naughty that's right and because he's broken her rule she find like she kind of she loves it so because she loves it they're going to get together because she told him express it, to turn around and he didn't and all of these layers mm. are awful but really what you've got is the director going okay action take your clothes off yeah. for no reason. So
2: Linloff said, we should have done a better job of not being gratuitous in our representation of barely clothed actress.
4: Or so. as the highest paid writing team in the world at that point, I think, do a bit of work to make their relationship seem natural and organic rather than he saw your boobs and now you're together. I fucking hate
3: yeah. it. I mean, it, you've already said it. I mean, Abraham said it was, you know, it was playing on Kirk's character. The Kirk we know is the womanizer. That's why they did it. That's why he turns around. The problem I have is, is, like, you can argue all you want, the ins and outs of character and what have you, and it's about the relationship. It's the way it's shot. Yes, it is. It's shot from a low angle to get as much of Mm -hmm. her body in as possible. And at that point, you go... Oh fuck you! You can't just. You're completely this. right. There's
4: but a way of doing it where he looks over his shoulder and you see that he's seen something, and you think, okay, that's you know, not the end of the world. Don't forget, it was a different time. It was 2013. No, he's <laughs> in the future. Oh, that's true. No, nothing has changed. That's even more depressing. Nothing has changed. Uh,
3: so uh, after um, uh, Carol Marcus has put her clothes back on, uh, we get an <laughs> exposition dump, uh, which is way too much info. Her father, Admiral Marcus, used to take her to see all the new weaponry he was designing, and she found out that he was developing these torpedoes. She has to see them, and he said, "No, you can't see these ones." And then she realised that all the information on them has been destroyed. I'm like, "Oh God!" I know. You. That's a lot of information. Yeah, and there'll be more after the break.
0: There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
3: Okay, so while all this is going on, uh, Scotty flies through the main door at a secret base he's found, unchecked, <laughs> in a shuttle. Yeah. He just joins a queue of other shuttles. Yeah. So, I mean, fine. Uh, more confused exposition. What did you think of the big Khan speech? You know, where he actually oh, goes... Yeah.
4: It's, this is a hard one for me because I think it, it changes. I think I'm a fan of Benedict Cumberbatch. I think I am. Yeah. But then I see early Cumberbatch... Like this, and I think, oh, that is annoying. <laughs> like a little bit. But I love you know, I do love him. And I think he's a good baddie. He's he's blank and he's intense and scary. But when he's like, I am Khan and I'm so amazing, you're just like, oh god, dude, give it a rest.
3: It's weird, isn't it? I, I think because I remember seeing this and going, Thank God for Benedict Cumberbatch in it. And then I think he's just got better and better. Because yeah. you watch The Power of the Dog now, and he's a phenomenon. Of course. And at the time I watched this, I thought it was a phenomenon. But watching it this time, yeah. having seen what he can do now, I think, you know. He was the best. He was dead. But the bit where he goes, I mean, Chris Pine goes, what's your name? He goes, <laughs> You're
2: like, he, he, he doesn't <laughs> do that.
3: Just the
4: way he says it, it's so like,
3: it's like everyone's gone. This is the moment, Benedict. Yep, this is This it. is where we actually reveal your identity that no one knows. <laughs> Say it. Say
2: your name. <laughs> <laughs> I think he makes a great villain here. I think I I really love this performance and I'm so relieved we finally, 67 minutes in, we finally got (laughs) the truth so we can get on with the movie.
3: Uh, Yeah, fine. So it's just what he's saying here. It's, It's such nonsense. They were created to create peace in a violent time, and then they were condemned. No explanation for why they were condemned as criminals, by Mm. the way. They were just suddenly condemned as criminals, and then they either decided to go off into space or were put into space, but they chose to go to sleep, hoping they'd wake up in a more civilised time. Yeah.
4: So, I mean, were they on timers? I I think the problem is with uh, Ricardo Montalban, Montalban, you get the he's like a he's a bit of a prick because he's like oh, I'm so clever, but he's got the you know his blood runs hot. He's like I'll, i would do this because of passion and because mm. of love. And Khan Benedict Cumberbatch's Khan is like a cold, emotionless robot. So when he says to Kirk at some point, "They're my family. You do anything for your family. Everyone's supposed to go. Well, of course you would. But mm. it's like I don't see you having any connection to anybody apart from yourself. So that's fine as a villain. <laughs> but do you give a really give a shit about these other seventy two? people? It's weird, isn't
3: it? How, how, how are you, Con?
4: Fine.
3: <laughs> how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm all right. I really
4: missed <laughs> you. Right, can I go back to sleep? <laughs> uh, they're his friends, Vicky. <laughs> I know, but you don't believe he has friends because he seems so emotionless, no? I mean, they're not the sort of. If, you, if he said, Do you want to come out with me and
2: my mates? I'd be like, I'm so busy.
1: I didn't give you the <laughs> date. <laughs> oh,
2: okay. What date is it? I'm busy. Yeah, sorry. But they're his family. you got to think, I think they're all probably like him. And um it 's not only that he wants them back he 's telling him he wants them back because they 're his friends, but mm. he also wants to take over the universe sure, and he does it he 's going to do it with them so he 's not i don 't think he 's entirely telling the truth here either okay this is his this is his crew to to get his mission done mm I found the speech long and confusing and I wasn't sure what I was meant to take from it. Are we sympathetic
3: towards Khan or is Khan like big bad number one? Because
4: he hasn't been that bad. He's done some blowing up stuff, but there's been the nuance Like you're supposed to think mm, maybe there was a, it's, like it's bad.
3: He's
2: murdered a room of people.
3: He's
4: murdered a room of people. I know, but you, you're being told <laughs> I did this for a higher purpose. Yes.
2: We're definitely sympathetic towards him here.
4: Uh, yeah, I'm not sure
3: if we are, though, because as Vicky just said already at this point, you know that he wants his crew to take over the universe. Like, you know, he's he's no, pretty. No, he's not revealed that yet. OK,
2: you're jumping ahead.
3: Right. I am. Uh, let's jump ahead to uh, an actual great moment um, where the USS Vengeance turns up. Fucking love this ship. <laughs> this, uh, You know, I get, I get excited for like, new stuff in a pre-existing world and in yeah. the whole of the Star Trek universe, two things. Uh, One I'm going to mention in a moment. First, we've never seen a ship like this. It's like,
2: there is a Federation ship. It just means nothing to me. It's like cars in Fast and Furious. Spaceships are just like, they all look the same. I got
4: a bit weird when they're like, we, you know, we this is a pure military ship but you're like, oh, okay, <laughs> because they don't do that. Like, yeah, they go on five year missions and they yeah, put creatures yeah. in
2: boxes. It's, it's and it's that's the, it. the anti Roddenberry, like
4: in the next generation. They're like, we've got a brig, we never hope to use it because it's not that kind of place. <laughs> and then he's like, minimal crew, it's fucking black anyway, brilliant. Yeah. And the bridge is like the mirror opposite of the like the negative opposite of the Enterprise. I, think I it's wish I'd
3: appreciated it more. Oh it. man, it's it's so cool. It's like it's camouflaged against space because it's black, <laughs> cool, <laughs> and it's (laughs) It's just the size of it, that shot of it floating in front of the Enterprise. And you always thought of the Enterprise as the biggest thing you'd seen, bar a couple of other ships. But like that, just like, boom. (laughs) It's the noise it makes as well. It's so sexy. I love it. Uh, Peter Weller, now full villain. Brilliant. Mm. Uh, Dad Mark III has gone bad. (laughs) Well, shit, you talk to him. (laughs) He gets the only swear in the movie. (laughs) He's playing, you son. But
4: it's like, you, you you haven't got all your little ducks in a row, Marcus. Of course I fucking talk to him. Don't put me in his path.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Kirk holds all the cards at this point. He's like, he's like yeah. but of course you knew that. Uh, I don't know what you...
2: Just don't even try.
3: But he was... <laughs> I mean,
2: he didn't purposely put him in his path. He thought Kirk was going to blow him to smithereens.
4: Yeah, that's true.
2: He thought he was going to explode him, so he wasn't expecting him to
3: be
4: that's on that true. ship with that's him. That's true, that's
2: fair, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fine. Um, so uh, you're uh, making me really over to, having to really think about this plot, and I don't want to think about it at this. That, hard.
3: That, but this is the this is the point. This is because this is all plot and no character. This entire movie is like one of those movies where it's just like, and this MacGuffin thing happens, mm-hmm. and then oh, and this. I think even uh, I think it was was it Lindelof or Alex Kurtzman. One of them said the thing about writing. Uh, big ten-pole blockbuster is you need a big moment every 10 or 15 minutes. An operatic moment was the phrase they used, which this movie does. It's got something big at every moment. Like, every 10, 15 minutes, something big happens. The problem is that it it wants the moment, but the moment doesn't fit with the story, and so it has the moment, and then it undoes the moment, which then makes the moment seem so superficial in the first place and carry no weight. It's like, oh, oh, so you're constantly up and down, but the mm. ups become worthless as it goes on, is my theory. So uh, we get the second cool moment I was just going to mention. This ship can do shit in warp. That oh, sound yeah. <laughs> where <it's> like... <laughs> when it arrives next to the Enterprise, it starts blasting the shit out of it. And the Enterprise cartwheels out of warp. Yeah. I was like, oh, this is what I paid my money for. Yeah,
4: I like it when because you don't see it. Because the, the next generation is very sanitised when it comes to violence, necessarily. Mm. This is a family show. So you don't really ever see... Well, I can't remember a time when if there's been... If it, when there's a hole breach. They're like, there's a breach in the hole. Nothing happens. And this body's in space. Yep. It's like, oh, it's like it seems real. It seems mm. like a ship at sea. And I like moments like that. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. Because it blows... Like, it's the
3: one space where I've, I'm like, the Enterprise has had the shit blown out of it. It's yeah. like in pieces. And that guy gets hit by some debris yeah, in and the and face. Yeah, and falling down. he's hanging and... on, gets sucked into the warp. Oh! Good stuff. Good stuff. This is what JJ does. He delivers bang on action. Uh, So, oh, do you know what I think it's similar to? Because, again, like I said, with this, it's like he plays within the rules of the Star Trek universe but does something we haven't seen. And it's not as good as this, but I equate it to the bit in The Last Jedi where... Uh, uh, the um, Laura Dern's character goes to light speed through the other ship and destroys it and you've never seen that but it's within the rules of the universe like this is so uh, we get arguably the uh, MVW of the whole thing I'm going early uh, which is when Kirk is on the bridge and he says what's the damage and a character we've never seen before (laughs) who is bald with glowing blue eyes (laughs) speaks in this voice and says the whole bridge captain (laughs) Mm. Where's he been?
4: (laughs) They must not have been able to afford it, but then that's not true. He's so good. He's really good. He gets another moment later. I can't remember what it is. Oh, does he? Yeah, he gets one more line. I was like, oh, here he is.
3: Major hull damage, Captain! Yeah, he's really good. Fucking like, he's like speaking with a thousand voices at once. (laughs) He's so good. So... Two Federation starships have a massive space battle 237 kilometres from Earth that goes undetected by Earth, despite <laughs> them being closer than the moon. Mental. Fine. What is they're, not, they're not doing? as big as the moon, though. No, but it's still, like, okay. well, we're aware of what's going on. For, for our own safety, more <laughs> yeah. than anything. Where's Starfleet? Admiral Marcus has got this, yeah, seems to be blowing up the Enterprise. He's, he's got a plan. Um Dr. Marcus gets her moment pleading with her dad uh, mm. only for him to beam him aboard, uh, beam her aboard the ship. How did they not know? That's something that any starship can do. That is not new to this yeah. movie. She looks
4: so freaked out about She's it. She's
3: never been beamed anywhere. No. She's like, mmm, she, thought, she tries to run away from the beam. It was, yeah, she <laughs>
4: was stupid. <laughs> um, something bad was happening. I was like, oh, it's not a normal beam. Right. It's like chopping her into bits.
2: <laughs> but don't you have to be in a special location to beam
4: normally? No. No, no.
2: okay. No, you can beam someone off. I'm sure you can. I mean, we're getting into the. There the used to be a room and... that they would beam in. I just.
4: I think that's their preferred location because it's safer. <laughs> yeah, but I think you can do it on the flight, and I think isn't that the plot of Generations that you can go through the nexus? The nexus, no, no.
3: yeah. Malcolm McDowell. Oh, shut up! I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, so Kurt goes to see Khan, and he's like, "Help me!" And this conversation gets interrupted. By Bones operating on a tribble because Khan's cells regenerate at an incredible rate and I want to know why. Mm. Kirk listens to him say that and then turns back to Khan and just sort of ignores everything Bones (laughs) has said and goes, so what I was saying was... Are you going to come with me? <laughs> and you watch that scene. You go. Was there nowhere else to put the triple bit? So you just yeah. literally landed it in the middle of a scene that or, no
2: one makes any reference to. Or you don't do the triple bit, and you trust that your audience will remember that his blood at the start of the film saved yeah. that girl. I
4: don't. I wonder why you need it. Maybe uh, they because they don't. Like... Because they don't trust the audience. Yeah.
2: And, and so you've got to be reminded twice more that yeah. this blood is magic. Okay. But it's it's been established. So if you're paying attention, yeah, y- you don't need this. And it's uh,
3: J.J. Abrams himself operating the Tribble. He's the puppeteer. All right. He's under the table.
4: Okay, he didn't have enough to do that day. <laughs> uh,
3: the lens flare had been done earlier. So <laughs> then we get another cool, big action sequence, the space jump with the visor cracking. I love it. Yeah, I love good,
4: it. It's I, lo- I, think it's, I think it's so well-directed. Mm. When they and because you get a bit of a cute thing between them where there's a little bit of one-upmanship like crouching in the same position this, this is where Benedict Cumberbatch is good because he doesn't break character and he's being ridiculous like I'm going to crouch like this <laughs> so Chris Pine gets to be the comedic foil and go well fine if you're mm, going to do it moment. like that and then before it gets overblown and you're like this is silly they just ping out of the door
2: I think it's brilliant they, it's also, they also done those helmets that I always make a joke about on there where, where rather than like out of the helmet it lights inside the helmet <laughs> to perfectly light their faces <laughs> yeah, you're it's right. just so funny we won't put a torch on your forehead we'll put blooming
3: lights in your face <laughs> oh, you
4: <laughs> don't need to be able to see yeah. to do what you've got there's, to uh, do uh,
2: there's a lot of debris ahead
4: yeah. well, Because you, you see gonna... my face though <laughs> look at
2: my eyes look at my blue eyes why is
4: everybody's eyes so bad has he blued everyone's eyes everybody's eyes not everybody but the people with blue eyes they're not normal blue eyes well,
2: Chris Pine doesn't have normal blue
3: eyes no
4: I no, he doesn't. Mm. They are mm.
3: So this is an interesting bit where Spock gets in touch with our other universe Spock mm. to ask him, "Is it an interesting bit?" It's on paper. It is interesting. Is it?
4: Well, <laughs> I'm just I keep saying, "Is it?"
3: <laughs> but why
2: do you not think it is? Well, we had the big Spock moment in the first movie, yeah. so that's been done. So he's on screen here just for a bit of fan service. Sure. And to remind them that he can't break the prime directive. Three seconds later, he breaks the prime directive. It's a terrible bit of writing. Mm. I don't know what it's there for. Mm. He says, I cannot tell you this stuff. I cannot break the timeline. <laughs> I cannot give you this information. It'll affect your destiny. But... Bang! Here's the information! <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um... It's it's a nod and a wink to us, I, you know, I so. acknowledging Wrath of Khan. But it's I just don't know because it's just it's not what's. But if you agree that they shouldn't have done that at the start of the film, you should be thinking that Spock shouldn't be doing this here. I mean, I like what they've done in the sense that you know he. I are mean,
3: a hypocrite. <laughs> <laughs> they they ring Spock to um, to ask him <laughs> ask him uh, if there's any help he can give them on how to beat Khan, which is exactly the same idea in Spaceballs, where they put on Spaceballs the movie to find out what they should do next. And that's why it's brilliant. Because mm. of Spaceballs the movie. She uh, She's on the Vengeance then, uh, is Carol Marcus. Khan's on the Vengeance. Admiral Marcus's on the Vengeance. Uh, Kirk's on the Vengeance. And uh, <laughs> Carol Marcus watches... Can not crush her dad's skull, and he breaks her leg. Yeah, he
2: breaks her leg, and then, and then pops his head. <laughs>
3: yeah. That's
4: when he seems like a baddie. Because like I think he breaks Carol's leg because he's like he fancies doing it. She's he stepped over, and he's like, oh, hang on, and then snaps her thigh.
2: I agree. No, but this I think this is the moment where yeah. it changes. You, yes. you, I think you can have sympathy for him until this moment. And yeah. actually, he should pop Marcus's head. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's good. I mean, she watches. Her dad have his skull crushed,
3: which I'm reminding you of because it comes in a little bit later. Um, In my opinion, they save the best action till last. Uh, The Enterprise hurtling towards Earth is very exciting. Get a replay of the warp core, but this time it's Kirk Mm -hmm. doing it. Um, Scotty does make a point of going, you can't go in there because of the radiation. You'll be dead before you've even made the climb. Mm. Not Kirk. He makes the climb up does it and back down (laughs) because he's brilliant and kicks the (laughs) shit out of some machinery it's (laughs) oh fucking that bit for ages (laughs) that's the most ridiculous bit you get into this high-tech spacecraft and
2: it boils down to fucking boot it yeah (laughs) boot it boot it (laughs) it's always quite satisfying though Jim
4: yeah physical action yeah rather I mean I I think in in Wrath of Car when Spot puts his hands in that's quite fun because of the lights Mm. but just to kick it into place is silly in the whatever century we're in but it's satisfying
3: Mm. So he saves the ship and we get that frickin' awesome bit where it plummets through the clouds and then rises back out of the clouds. <laughs> Goosebumps. Yeah. Um, so <sighs> Spock gets the Khan moment. Mm. It's good. It, it's no Shatner, but it's good. Uh, and then he gets to basically Hulk out.
4: Mm. He mm. becomes
2: the Incredible Hulk. He shows emotion.
4: yes. Oh, is that what it is? Yes. See, I didn't. I, yeah, I was him bit... screaming
2: "Khan" is is a Vulcan showing emotion, which is unexpected. That's the.
4: Oh no! I sorry. I got that. What I meant was the. F- he goes after him and this is where it lost it. I, I just I was a bit over it as was a bit action fatigue Yeah, this I missed that that's mm. a shame that I missed yeah. that beat because all I'm seeing is a, yet another fight where can we have this fight let's have it high up let's jump on these truck things Silly. and it yeah. just felt like more fighting for the sake yeah. of
2: it yeah and it's because you felt like the emotional beat of the ending was the death of yeah. of, of Kirk and so this now you're feeling a bit of fatigue because it's I it,
4: think it's, if I'd realised that he wouldn't normally have done that it would have made more sense to me, but it, it, sure. it, I don't
2: know. And they get her involved. Yeah, she says,
3: well, she I like her line when she goes, go get him. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Yeah, it's great yeah. to have a girlfriend who's supportive <laughs> of of violence uh, specifically. <laughs> yeah, go kill him. Absolutely. <laughs> See you later. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, because they sort of, Ahura and Spock sort of bond over Spock beating a man to death almost. Mm.
4: Yeah. What a well, whatever floats you boat.
3: Exactly a bit role play. <laughs> cool. uh, and then Kurt gets brought back to life because of Khan's blood. Mm. Um so correct me if I'm wrong, but seemingly now in this new Star Trek universe, anyone who dies can be brought back to exactly. life. Which yeah. is
2: a big That's swing. A big game changer. Because yeah, they've yeah. got a lot of blood <laughs> yeah. in those crypto chambers. Yeah.
4: yeah. No more death is for anyone.
3: Amazing. Amazing. I think they sort of try and go, it's very—it's a special case because Bones goes, oh, you were only almost dead, which sort of works as a funny line, and them
4: going, yeah,
3: it won't work on anyone. Yeah. Just <laughs> don't bring it up again, please. <laughs> um, and we get that lovely moment at the end. So Khan's frozen, and on the bridge, everyone's the captain's walking around, and he's going, he's patting everyone's shoulder, and he gets to Carol Marcus, mm. and he says, um, I'm glad you can be part of the family. And she says, it was a really sort of weird expression, It's good to have a family. (laughs) It's not like, because remember, I watched my dad's skull get crushed.
4: I think the I am reaching, because I want to believe that the writing is better than this. I think the fact that when she sees Marcus, when she's on the bridge of the Enterprise and she's like, let me talk to my father, like this, only I can save the day. She doesn't say, hello, dad. She says, hello, sir. So I think we're supposed to think that their relationship was quite distant and formal and cold. Mm. And she also says, when I asked to see the weapons, he wouldn't even see me. So it's like, you don't live with each other. You have to make an appointment kind of thing. So we're supposed to think, I think... That they were never that close, and even though you obviously don't want to watch your dad's head get squeezed in by Benedict Cumberbatch. He might have been having
3: a bad day. You might have come round, woke up, find, and go, "God."
4: But there's a lot. In what that was my drinking? You, you Jesus,
3: it. I was in a spaceship <laughs> and I blew another spaceship up. <laughs> Fuck me, I need to stay off the Romulan ale.
2: Oh, I was going to do a Romulan ale joke. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, now about him. Um,
3: so we've. Got... I'm happy for you. Thanks.
2: It feels pretty good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm sad for me. Oh, I have oh, got I've got a great callback.
1: <laughs>
2: well, I'll let him finish.
3: Thanks. Uh, never I appreciate it. Never I, I, did. I feel really good. Um, so that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's it. Shall we talk a bit about Khan and the casting of Benedict Cumberbatch? I thought we'd done time. that. It feels like something we do at the start, but <laughs> well, if you want to do
4: it now, that's no, cool. What happened to the
2: Klingons?
3: <laughs> well, well, uh, go, go on, Alex. Just uh, sure. the character being whitewashed, because obviously either, like with him being a white actor, playing yep. what was in the historic Star Trek universe, uh, I think he was a Sikh. Uh, originally he was introduced as in Starseed, um, Space Seed, uh, the ruler of uh, Eastern Eurasia. Uh, George uh, Takai said uh, while he thinks Benedict Cumberbatch who played Sulu in the original series after watching this he thought uh, Benedict Cumberbatch was great but that Gene Roddenberry had always had in the back of his mind and this was his philosophy to embrace the
2: diversity of this planet yeah of course Um, I I think they could have fixed it if it is an issue by when he says he's Khan I think Kirk should say how do you spell that and he should say C-A-A-N like Jimmy (laughs) Khan have you seen The Godfather yeah and then I think we're fine. I
4: think we might be bet on yeah safer ground. And you could say, have you got a, a forename? No, I haven't. Mm-mm. No, I don't actually.
2: John. <laughs> Oh, you already knew that, yeah, it's Bob.
4: All <laughs> alias name though, isn't it? It's John Harrison. I mean, but well, it was all
2: part because there was a there was a minor character in the series called John Harrison. It was all part of these these ways of trying to trick trick oh, I see. the fans.
4: It's so definite you just concentrate on making a good film. Yeah, um, we
2: got we're doing calm. We're doing something new. We can I think enjoy people, it. I mean,
4: maybe I'm being naive, but I think people would have been excited at yes. that point because hundred percent that, that creative team. Ooh, the guy called, playing
2: Sherlock. Oh, this is
3: interesting. Yeah,
4: definitely. Mm.
2: Would you like Nicholas Meyer's uh, full review of uh, this you know what? movie? I've grown to love Nicholas Meyer, listening and reading him this week, so yes, please.
3: Yes, it is brilliant. In my sort of artistic worldview, if you're going to do an homage, you have to add something. You have to put another layer on it, and they didn't. Just by putting the same words in different characters' mouths didn't add up to anything, and if you have someone dying in one scene and then sort of being resurrected immediately after, there's no real drama going on. It just becomes a gimmick or gimmicky, and that's what I found it
2: to be, ultimately. And... That's exactly what I said on Monday. He hates resurrection. He doesn't buy into resurrection. Mm. So never make Star Trek resurrection, Nick.
3: (laughs) So uh, I think that is us done on Star Trek Into Darkness. Shall we do
2: the bites? Yes.
3: Yes. Best scene, Chris.
2: Um, I really like the setup and payoff of the suicide bomb in London. Uh, It's practically wordless. I think it's really good visual storytelling and it's absolutely devastating. And so surprised myself mm. watching the film this time um, and picking that, but I just thought it was the best scene.
4: That's a good choice. Do Victoria? Mine's choice is a bit silly, but I really like it when they ping out the door. <laughs> to, to go through. It's just really well done. It's just cut at the exact right moment. It's okay. good. It's good. No,
3: I love, I love that moment as well. Uh, three different ones then. Uh, mine is the vengeance, the USS Vengeance, hunting down the Enterprise in the warp when it comes up behind it and it's making that... <laughs> <laughs> Sound goosebumps, love it. All right, MVW, Vicky.
4: I'm gonna. I this. I found this quite difficult actually. Um, but I'm gonna say Chris Pine because. Okay. Yeah, I'm surprised at myself, but I, no, I, I'm a Chris
3: Pine fan. I just didn't expect you to pick him.
4: Why? I don't know. I, I just. I, didn't feel like the
3: meatiest sort of of all the characters to I, really get your your teeth into.
4: Yeah, I mean, well, the trouble is, I found obviously Cumberbatch has got like the big stuff going on, mm. but I do find it a little bit grating. Ah. But, yeah, I know, and I hate saying that because he's obviously you know superlative and all the rest of it. But I just just found it annoying. There we go. So because, but the, let's think about this apart from uh, Zoe Saldana most other characters and oh, Simon Pegg got really tricky relationship with that character again not his fault so basically most other characters are quite serious and quite poor face. and even Simon Pegg as Scotty which in the first one he's the comic relief he's cross basically for quite a lot of it mm. Um and without Chris Pine doing Kirk the way he does it's quite a procedural thing so I like him but I did find it quite a difficult choice I think they fucked up his arc but more on that in a minute
2: okay Chris uh Something that Vicky said a little bit earlier makes me question my choice here a little bit.
4: Was um, it Alice Eve's bra?
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we aren't too far apart with our choices. Uh, my most valuable whatever is Chris Pine's eyes. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I just got lost in them. Sure. Cool.
4: I mean, he's blessed. Yeah. He's blessed.
2: I mean, yeah. He's,
3: he's ageing well as well. I watched The Contractor the other oh, day. Oh, I saw the thing. Is it good? No.
4: no. He's uh, <laughs>
3: good, but no, it's not good. Um, it's weird because you sort of go, oh, it's Chris Pine and Ben Foster who did um, Hello High Water together. And you're like, well, there's a duo. It's shit. So, (laughs) that's not, it's not, it's just not great. Uh, Okay, my MVW is Peter Weller. Oh, fair enough. Great choice. I think he's absolutely brilliant. He's like, like, the bit where he sort of pops up on the video screen, you're like, he's an evil guy. Yeah, fair enough. He's having fun with it. He's like, and it's just the way he goes, Ah, well, shit. I suppose it's because he never looked
4: good. Like, he's so craggy and bad the minute like when he's like also there's such a power move when Kirk is going to see him and there's a boardroom full of people and Kirk walks and he's like guys give us a minute and I'd be like do we all have to leave can you two not go in the corridor because <laughs> there's eight of us but everyone's like yeah well of course we'll go so he just always seemed like such a bad dude but I do think that is a good choice
3: right then so what would you change in
2: Star Trek into darkness Chris what's an unusual eye colour orange I'd give, I'd give Khan slightly orange eyes. Okay. And then at the end of the movie, we'd look into Kirk's eyes and see his eyes ha, turning cool. slightly orange. <laughs> yeah,
4: because he's his daddy now. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so I think,
2: I think we should allude to the fact that Kirk has somehow changed because he's got this genetic, genetically superior blood in him and he's either becoming superhuman or is he becoming evil?
4: Bad. Yeah. Lovely.
2: I like that a
3: lot. Thanks. Nice. Victoria.
4: So I've said before about Carol, sort that out, that is a mess. But the big thing, and it's difficult to fix, but here we go. So Kirk's arc is, he gets that big speech when Peter Well is like, I'm going to kill the crew. And he's like, no, spare the crew. This is my thing. You can have me. Spare the crew. And we're meant to go, oh, cool. Okay, you've learned to be responsible. The trouble is, it makes sense for the character, but for the audience, it's not very satisfying because Kirk is hot-headed and he doesn't play by the rules and that's what we like. So when he's like, I've learned to become responsible, we're like, "Okay, cool, but it doesn't feel that much for us. We don't want to have
3: sex with you anymore. This is the
4: thing. We preferred you the other way. So there needs to be a way for him to learn without being like, spare the crew. Because it's a big emotional moment for the characters, but you're like... Okay, cool. But we liked you the way you were. So how do you make it work? How do you give him a journey without undoing the sort of the sexy blue-eyed rebel thing? Mm. There you go.
3: I like it. Uh, mine's slightly bigger than yours. Uh, don't make this the story of your Star Trek sequel at all, in any way. I-, I think they did an absolutely great job setting up this new franchise with the first movie. Um, I- we did a lot of stuff on Earth in the first movie. I... I- I, th- I like what they've done with Earth. And I, Initially, I thought, oh, it's cool seeing Earth a little more in this universe. I don't really want it. I want them to be off in deep space. I want them to be on their mission, light years away from home and safety, exploring new worlds. Basically, what they did with Star Trek Beyond, they should have bumped forward by a movie, and that should be this. Uh, I want to see them off like uh, together, this unit, encountering weird things at the edge of the cosmos. I don't want to see earth and battles like with warships like and like earth being so prevalent in this movie. I want I want distance. I want them isolated and it just being about these guys. So you think they should have bumped forward the film that effectively
2: ended the franchise?
3: <laughs> I don't think it would have ended I don't know if it would have ended the franchise had this movie not preceded it though. Mm-hmm. I think I think they needed to get off on their 5-year mission in movie 2 as opposed to in movie 3. Yeah. And I just also think it's just an insane decision competing with or at least referencing the most beloved Star Trek movie in the history of Star Trek with your second movie because you're or at just least not gonna... leaning
4: into it fully because yeah. you can you can do it you can say this is what we're going to do because we, we you know you trust us now audience because the first one was good mm. so we'll take the thing that you loved but we'll do it our way and isn't that exciting Absolutely rather than pre- like this half thing of pretending and Yeah I just I, I, do, but
3: also you're just going to invite comparisons and I just I don't think that's I don't think that's a wise move or if you're gonna do it and you're gonna have this story, Beastie Boy sabotage over every action sequence. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Brilliant. <laughs> I'm done.
4: Oh shit. <laughs> Jeez. No way. No, it's you.
3: Every week.
4: It's you. It's your turn to talk. What? What? <laughs> what,
3: what welcome to Clash of the Titles. Uh...
4: Not you, you. You you're finished speaking. Yeah. Then Chris says, Are you ready for the verdict? Sting Blondine Sting <laughs> And then I say So fuck you both
3: <laughs> Fellini over here And then we have the sting it's Blondine true. Make a note Sting at that point Oh did it
4: change Oh I don't know You had your little private thing on Monday we So did. maybe this changed without we, me knowing We
3: change it Do you know Have you not realised We change it week <laughs> by week Depending on what you do or don't do <laughs> it's <laughs> no, there's no way to win this game it's the, well, Ko- it's the Kobayashi Maru test
2: Every time It's your movies Okay so I, I'm asking you to introduce the ver- Can you introduce the No ver- you say
4: it You You or you Either of I you I don't say it You this used week. to I or, did So now you do it
2: you just do the verdict,
4: Vicky. How do you do it? What do you say?
3: There is no way to win this. There's
4: no way to win. Just say. Oh Kobayashi
2: Maru. <laughs> say it's the verdict.
4: It's the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! Great. Carry on. <laughs> okay, cool. So these were my choices. See, I know that bit. <laughs> These were my choices this uh, week. It's
3: just funny every time. <laughs> <laughs> it just changes.
4: Whatever you do,
3: go with the flow. it's the opposite of that.
4: <laughs> Is it really, no, it's really not. Oh, please tell me the truth. <laughs> please. It's
3: fine. Let's just do the verdict.
4: Fine. There we go. Thank you. So I recognize that. OK, cool. So these are my choices. So uh, who would I like to go first? Uh, Chris.
2: <laughs> OK. Uh, I think it's remarkable that Wrath of Khan plays out in one room. Because you know that's the same stage redressed to look like two different ships. Mm. Oh, okay. And it's—I mean—they never meet these two, the hero and villain. Yeah. They just—they just, they just space time filmed four months apart. Each factor scenes. <laughs> the the action is less sophisticated in Wrath of Khan. The effects are worse. The fighting's less less impressive, but. It does nail the emotion, which is what really matters, as a lot of that other stuff is just bells and whistles. So, while Star Trek Into Darkness has the spectacle, Wrath of Khan has the soul, and I'm a soul man, so Wrath of Khan.
4: <laughs> that's lovely. And you?
2: Do you want me to go next?
3: Yes, uh, that's what I said. Oh, so, right. yeah.
4: Okay. So, okay. if you'd listen, yeah. Yep.
3: <laughs> wow. After I helped you out of your little <laughs> mental hole that you dug yourself, where you're like, what's
4: Hang on! You're, I speak you're now? Gaslight, you're actually gaslighting me! I am not me. gaslighting you. You didn't help me. You were tricking me. I wasn't. Ice, I was the one who said, let's do the verdict. I got oh, you yeah. out of the oh, hole. Yeah, sorry. You're acting oh, like God. calm. Yeah, sorry,
2: sorry. <laughs> uh, a lot of
3: the same reason, uh, reasons out Chris said. Basically, Wrath mm. uh, has aged a, a lot. Uh, the SFX weren't great in the first place because of the tiny budget and they've only got worse over time. A lot of spectacle in Into Darkness. But I will say like a lot of CGI spectacle. Into Darkness was a lot more rewarding in terms of the action on the big screen Mm. Um, because it is all CGI. It doesn't translate as well onto the small screen. Um, Star Trek, Khan got clarity with that story. Into Darkness, cartwheels from scene to scene making balmy decisions because they're big and they offer spectacle and it's like, oh my God, but they don't add up to a whole lot. So in the end, I do think it's closer than I anticipated, because I liked both these films for very, very different reasons, spectacle versus story. Uh, But like Chris, Wrath of Khan.
2: So we have a winner, and logic dictates that winner is The Wrath of Khan. Shall we let Vicky pick one? Yes, please. What's your verdict? Well, it was
4: actually a bit closer because I do. I've just just modernised. Like Wrath of Khan, just seems too creaky now. And I did. I was more looking forward to Into Darkness because I knew uh, the the like you said the spectacle of it. But just when you and then you know if you try and take nostalgia out of Wrath of Khan, is it a better film actually? Because it just is a bit plodding, and I do like a, a lot of action. However. Um, there's too many potholes in Into Darkness. That Alice Eve thing, which she, they, you know they make her take her clothes off for no reason, really, really fucks me off. Although there is a moment with Savick in the lift in Wrath of Khan, he's like, "Have you changed your hair?" And it's like, "That's inappropriate. You're my captain. My hair is none of your goddamn business." Yeah, that's true. So like for like. Um,
3: yeah. It's slightly less. Slightly it? less <laughs> problematic. Yes. <laughs> it's, Sh- yeah. No. You're right. <laughs> no. She's her underwear no in to the herself,
2: lift. Don't mention Vicky's
4: hair. Uh, <laughs> wow. But yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, Wrath of Khan is a classic, so yes, Wrath of Khan.
2: Three for three, lovely. Wrath of Khan. Um, so let's quickly look ahead to next week. Alex Zane, mm. do you want to give Vicky the clue and see if she can uh,
3: well, guess what the film? I are? thought it was
4: a hard day's night, but that doesn't seem like something you would choose. Oh, good. You said Fab Four, didn't you, or no. something? Oh,
3: closer. I said check out this amazing quartet. Okay. And you just said Fab Four, which is what's far an away. amazing? Yeah.
2: What's an amazing quartet? Another one. Oh, uh, the Fantastic Four. Oi! Good play, Ali. Oi, oi, oi.
3: Well done. Yes, it is. The Fantastic Four directed by Tim Story from 2000 mm-hmm. and The Fantastic Four directed by Josh Trank from 2005.
4: Uh-huh. So those are the two movies oh,
3: Lovely. are
2: doing. And where are they available Alex? Uh, well, uh, if the, you google you'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, the Fantastic
3: Four the Tim Story version is available on and, and, and uh, whereas the Josh Trank
2: version is available on yeah and and, and, and uh, lovely. Thanks for your help,
3: Alex.
1: So
2: that's it, Fantastic Four versus Fantastic Four, making Fantastic Eight next week. Um, and that's it. Uh, as ever, check out at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. There's some fun, fun stuff happening there. There might be a picture of a snake and a weasel. <laughs> um, and we need some rabbit pictures sooner or later, Vicky. We've promised them. Oh, yeah, i I'm
4: sorry, I keep forgetting.
2: Uh, do give us some kind of love wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, live long and prosper. Thanks and twice. we'll be back next week with the Fantastic Four. <laughs>
3: Fantastic!
0: <laughs> this was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creative Network.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.